This episode was recorded on January 11th, 2024. Since the recording of this podcast, the U.S. and the U.K. carried out joint strikes on Yemen in what they said was a move intended to, quote, disrupt and degrade the Houthis' capabilities to threaten global trade. In Gaza, a multifaceted, brutal war has become even more complex. Experts have long been warning that the violence in the Gaza Strip is at risk of spilling over into a wider conflict. And those warnings have become more relevant and real today. Since Hamas's attack on October 7th, Israel has responded by exacting considerable military vengeance on civilians, running a death toll of 23,000 people and counting. All this while trading blows with Iran-backed Hezbollah next door on the Lebanese border. But perhaps a player that Israel didn't take into account who have since become more involved and could have a significant bearing on how this conflict develops is Yemen's Houthis. Who are the Houthis? Why are they involved in the Israel-Gaza conflict? And how have their attacks impacted the world right now? This is Beyond the Headlines. I'm Nada Al-Tahir. In this episode, we're going to look at how the Red Sea has become a battlefield and what impact this has on global trade. 2,000 kilometers away from the fighting in Gaza, a dangerous and unpredictable escalation is already unfolding. The Houthis, who have controlled most of northern Yemen after toppling the government of Sana'a in 2014, have aimed ballistic missiles at the southern Israeli city of Ilat, many of which have been intercepted. But more importantly is the group's nearly 30 attacks on shipping lanes in the Red Sea, which have had major repercussions on maritime security and trade routes since they began in November 2023. A UN resolution condemning the Houthi actions has already been passed, and a 12-member coalition led by the United States has done little to deter the group. I've spoken to Maysa Shuja'ad-Din from the Sana'a Center for Strategic Studies on what motivates the Houthis to get involved in such a dangerous conflict. Let's dive in. Maysa, the Houthis are a relatively small group with limited capabilities. How does what they're doing fit in with their wider narrative? Their ideology since day one, it was that they are anti-imperialism group. And they borrowed some slogans from the Iranian revolution, like, for example, their slogan, it is the death to America, death to Israel. And so uh, they were very clear in their position that they are anti U.S. and Israel in the region. And also, um, Hussein al-Houthi, when he starts his lectures and he starts to gather the people around him, his lectures always focus on outside of Yemen, not only inside Yemen. So since day one, they they believe that their rule is something beyond Yemen. If they are not a local group. They have that ambitious to be a regional group. So something is not, for me, it's not strange because I know them, I'm following them since they emerged in 2000. And uh, also it's part of their rule as as one of the resistance axes. And definitely they received intelligence support to attack the ships. For example, they received information about these ships from the Iranian. So it's not something they do it slowly by themselves without support from Iran. The Houthis have actually been becoming increasingly unpopular inside Yemen, and it's been quite interesting to see how their attacks on shipping lanes have impacted their image at home. Here's Maysa again. 
many Yemenis believe also that this attacks save them from the people anger inside Yemen. Before this war, Gaza war, the Houthis faced a really, tra- really big challenges in their areas because the people are not happy with their way of governance, their corruption, their attempts to change the state and to change the Yemeni state nat- nature to be more theocratic state. I never see of the revolution when people went to celebrate it, the Republican revolution in 26th of September, the Houthis got panic because the people flood the streets and they felt to what extent their vision and their ideology are not popular for most of the Yemenis. Uh, they are corrupt. They don't pay salaries. They don't provide any kind of services, despite they collect, although they collect a lot of taxes from the people. So I have to say, all of this money that we paid, where they go? So many people believe inside Yemen that this war saved them from the people anger and it is a good way to renew legitimacy, their legitimacy, because they gain their legitimacy in their controlled areas throughout the war that they are defending Yemen from aggression, from the Saudi aggression. And they gain a kind of legitimacy at that time. So now they renew this legitimacy as the people, as they are the people who dare to challenge the Americans and the Israelis during a brutal Israeli attacks on the Palestinians. And definitely the Yemenis, all of them, whether the Houthis or non-Houthis, they support the Palestinian cause. Supply chains, insurance rates, and even ordinary consumers have been hit in one way or another by the very consequential firing of Houthi drones and missiles. I've spoken to the Nationals' own deputy business editor, Arti Nagraj, to know how the conflict is now affecting global shipping through the Red Sea. Now, we spoke to a lot of analysts to understand the actual impact. And since November 21st, the week when the attacks began, until now, charges have gone up roughly 250% for a 40-foot container growing from China to Europe. Prices are now at like $4,000. That is significantly higher than what it was. Understandably so. Um, You have higher premiums. You have risk insurance shooting through the roof. You have charges for rerouting. Now, all of this is going to um, have longer term impact as well. So, you know, shipping doesn't happen overnight. We saw impact of supply chain disruptions during the pandemic, which, you know, progressed up until now when those supply chains eased. What is this going to mean for inflation? What is it going to mean for prices of goods? How is all of this going to filter down to each one of us? That is something which is going to take time for us to understand. And you have to see the scale of impact as well. You had U.S. Secretary of State Anthony Blinken, who was in the region, and he mentioned that up to 20% of global, nearly 20% actually, of global shipping has been disrupted or diverted just because of this. So the impact is significant at this point. There is also a ripple effect on global economies. Arti tells us more. It is consequential, you know, it is, there is going to be a ripple effect. How long that lasts um, or how intense it's going to be will depend on how long the conflict goes on for, you know. Um, very hard to see at this point. And we've spoken to analysts who do believe, some of them believe that it's a shorter term 
um, conflict could end soon, in which case the overall impact is going to be limited. But if it stretches on much longer, then inflation is going to go up. And, and that's going to create another whole chain because we've seen last year central banks tightening monetary policy to ensure that inflation comes down. So, you know, hopefully... If the conflict ends soon, then, you know, all of the knock-on effects are going to be limited. Back on the international stage, major moves are being made against the Houthis, but it will take a lot to deter them. It's also important to understand how the Houthis are capitalizing on their recent actions and how this all ties with a peace agreement that Yemen was so close to achieving after all these years of war. Maritime security expert Ian Ralby helps us understand. On the 7th of October, the Houthis were were at one of the weakest positions they've been in for a while. They were essentially uh, muddling, muddling along through the, the peace process, slowly moving towards uh, being resigned to an outcome that they had not wanted. It wasn't what they had fought for. It wasn't what they had uh, risked uh, their, their lives uh, for over the last decade. They wanted control of all of Yemen. And they were they were kind of slowly getting towards the point of being uh, disappointed half-victors. But this opportunity to jump on their slogan, Death to Israel, which was always a battle cry in order to be able to recruit uh, people in, in in order to further their own cause to, to gain control of Yemen, um, provided them a, a new opportunity and a new chance to, to do something different. And they took a little bit of time to figure out what it was they were going to do, and they found uh, that the Iranian approach of attacking shipping uh, was something they could do as well. They practiced at it through uh, various uh, launch attempts over over the decade uh, that they've been fighting. They had innovated the use of bomb boats. And if we remember back to 2000, Yemen has a long history of using maritime attacks in order to perpetrate global concern. They attacked the USS Cole uh, using a, a suicide squad on a, uh, a boat and, and blew up the hull of the vessel. Have we seen anything like this before, Ian, or is this a new model we're looking at? This is not something that is is entirely new, but uh, the Houthis attacking externally this way was new, and they have very much used it as a way to recruit internally, re-enliven people's willingness and, and lust for war. Um, and they are uh, definitely in a different position than they were in uh, a couple months ago as a result. They have managed to gain global attention, and with it, they've gained global relevance. What we can allow them to do is gain global legitimacy. And this is why addressing them as effectively the government of Yemen, which is what they want, uh, addressing them as the, the the Yemen Navy, which is what they are calling themselves, um, is is both uh, farcical and also extremely dangerous for, for the prospects of longer term peace uh, in Yemen, as the government of Yemen will never accept uh, the Houthis using this situation as a way of, of gaining uh, renewed legitimacy inside of, of, of Yemen's conflict. And so we have a lot of different issues. There are a lot of different moving parts. And the Houthis have a very, very practiced track record in upending a situation just when it looks like it's getting towards a resolution. And so uh, this is in some ways consistent with their their ethos over time, but it is not ideological so much as opportunistic and uh, consistent with their uh, their rather practiced ability to be merchants of chaos and, and really show off how erratic and unpredictable they can be. Uh, they are predictably unpredictable. And that is, is why this is being handled in probably the wrong way uh, by trying to reason with them or, or issue edicts and, and uh, declarations to them. Because if, if anybody has paid attention to Yemen over the last decade, 
they have never once responded well to any of those kinds of, of demands. Um, and uh, there's no reason they would do anything different this time. This is a very fast-moving subject with extremely important implications as the Houthis vow to continue their attacks until Israel stops the war in Gaza. This was Beyond the Headlines. This episode was produced by Arthur Edison, Dua Farid, and Phil Green. I've been your host, Nadal Tahir. Please do subscribe so you can get more insights on the topics you care about.